You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 17 in your Bibles. I started this chapter last Wednesday, and I didn't get very far, but I had a good time, and I hope you were helped. I hope you got something out of it last week. We are looking at here the um, religious system of the world that is united during the time of the tribulation. And it's interesting how that uh, the religion is trying to use, the religious system is using the economic system. We'll see that in chapter 18. And the economic system is trying to use the religious system. And by the way, did you know that's already going on today? There are uh, some people that I think they're in the ministry just for what they can get out of it. And that's a, that's a sorry reason to go into ministry. Uh, when God calls somebody, God's going to take care of you and God's going to take care of me. Um, if, I were, if I were trying to find a career where I could get a lot of money, I'd have chosen something different than being a preacher. And that's not to say that I'm not taken care of. I am. and uh, This church is so good to me and my family. But a pastor should not be in the ministry uh, for money. That's, that's the wrong reason. We're in it for eternity. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that's not just true for a preacher. That's true for every one of us as God's people. We ought to be more concerned with that which is eternal than that which is temporal, that which is here and now. But during the tribulation, the religious system of the world will gather together and they will be united and this religious system is represented in Revelation 17 by this woman that the Bible calls a great whore or a, a harlot. It's interesting to me that in chapter 12, the nation of Israel is referred to as a woman. And here in Revelation 17, the religious system is referred to as a woman. And in the uh, Old Testament, we see the nation of Israel is referred to as uh, a, a, a wife or the bride of Christ. Of course, in the New Testament, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. But here we have not a woman who has a good reputation, but here in Revelation 17, we have a woman that is described uh, as a harlot. Uh, by the way, the true church, the church of Jesus Christ, uh, those that have been born again, those that have been saved by the grace of God, we ought to be pure. We ought to be holy. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 that we would be holy and without blemish and without spot. That's the way we ought to be. Uh, but the religious system of this world is referred to not as pure, but as uh, that of a harlot. We saw, number one, last week that this religious system has gone into apostasy. And the, the reminder for us is, it could happen to us. Don't ever think that you, you and I are above this. Better people than you and I once believed the Bible and once stood true on the fundamentals of the faith, but they have now, they've turned their back on it. And that's a sad commentary. But that's because the devil is out to deceive. The devil is out to uh, cause you to be led astray. And that's as old as the Garden of Eden. Satan is out to deceive. We saw last week the apostasy of this woman, which represents the religious system. Secondly, we saw the associations. Uh, she is working with the kings of the earth. She is sitting upon many waters. She has power over much of the world. Um, there are many 
political associations that she has assembled in order to have influence and power. But we see that uh, verse number eight, the association with the beast that came out of the bottomless pit. And uh, what, a, what an awful association. Uh, I would not want to be associated with somebody that's working with the devil. I wouldn't want to be associated with that. And by the way, neither should you, neither should any of us desire to be associated and working with those who are against God. And so we need to be very careful in our associations. We'll see in the end that uh, the, the old devil, that Antichrist who's controlled by the devil, the Antichrist will turn on the religious system. And you know, that's the way the devil works. The devil will try to get you and the devil will uh, use you and abuse you. That old devil will get you and he will chew you up and he will spit you out and not think anything of it. But aren't you glad that's not the way that Jesus Christ operates? Jesus Christ, he will uh, allow himself to be used. He, will, he came to be a servant. He came to minister. and He came not to see what he could get out of you and me, but he came to see what he could give to you and me. And praise God for that. I want you to see tonight as we get into the, the lesson number three, not only the apostasy of this woman, not only her associations, but number three, I want you to see her actions. The Bible says in Revelation 17 and verse number two, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and help us as we look at your word tonight. Help me to be very clear and help me to be able to deliver the message as you would have me to say it and help me to speak uh, with your power and with your anointing tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We see, number three, the actions of this harlot who is representing the religious systems of the world during the time of the tribulation. The Bible says that this woman has committed fornication with the kings of the earth. Now, I want you to, if you're in the habit of marking your Bibles, I want you to look at and circle and underline that word in verse 2. It's the word committed. Now, you know what I think is very sad, and I think it's very tragic, and that is that sometimes the world and the people that are living for the world and the people that are living for the devil have a greater commitment than those who name the name of Christ. This word committed here, it means that they weren't just talking about it. They weren't just saying, yeah, we need to get around to getting some stuff together. They were literally, they were acting upon what they believed. Now, this fornication that the Bible talks about, it's, it's a, an evil, an impure alliance that the religion will make with the, the political system and with the Antichrist. It is something against God. It is something that is not right. It is something that is impure. And I want to tell you as God's people, it's a shame that there would be anybody in Hollywood that there'd be anybody out in the world, that there'd be any rock and roll star, there'd be any drug addict, there'd be any drunk, there'd be anybody that'd be a, a out in the world living for the devil, and they would have a greater commitment than God's people? How could somebody have a greater commitment for the lies of the devil than those of us who have the truth of God's word? 
I was in a service a few weeks ago in Illinois and the preacher that was preaching that night, he gave this illustration. I wrote it down. I said, I've got to remember this. I've got to share this. He said the statistics from all the, uh, the churches, and this is all kinds of churches, but he said the statistics say that when somebody gets in church, they are faithful on average. They're faithful and active in a church for six years, and that's the average, and then they're done. And I'll tell you what that statistic reveals. It reveals that there are some that stay a lot longer. And praise God for people that stay faithful, not just for days or weeks or months, but they stay faithful to Christ for decades. That doesn't mean you can never leave this church. That doesn't ever mean you you, you can't move away. But what that does mean, if you ever leave this church, you ought to get in another church and you ought to be just as faithful, if not more so at the next place than you were here. Most people don't leave a church and do that. Most people leave a church and they drop out. Most people leave a church and they're looking for something easier. But the statistics said six years. And I want to tell you this, by the grace of God, I don't want to be that statistic. I want to be someone who stays faithful to the truth, faithful to the Bible, faithful to Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm saved and I'm not ashamed that I'm saved. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be lackadaisical. I don't want to be haphazard in my commitment to Christ Here we see the actions of this woman. The actions of the religious system is they're serious about it. They've committed fornication. The Bible says that they are made drunk. That phrase there to be made drunk, it means that they've been duped. They've been fooled. They've been tricked. And can I tell you, you and I, we have a responsibility to get out and to share the truth with a lot of people in this world who have been duped. There's a lot of people that have been duped by religion. A lot of people that have been duped by the lies of Satan. There's a lot of people that have been fooled. And we have the light of the glorious gospel of Christ that we need to let that light shine so that people can see the truth. I see the actions. Notice verse number six. The Bible says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. We'll get to that in a minute, but that word admiration there, it means shock. John says, I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. I want to remind you today, see, how is this possible? I want to remind you, there have been more Christians throughout the centuries that have been killed in the name of religion than by any other cause. Uh, Throughout the dark ages, uh, from 500 uh, AD to 1500 AD, there were Thousands and thousands and thousands and millions of Christians that were slaughtered by who? By the religious crowd. And so this is nothing new. By the way, it's still happening today. But John is shocked. He said, I couldn't believe it because I saw that this woman had been drunk with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus Christ. You see, these people, this religious crowd, they were serious about it. When you start go like they're going to do in the tribulation, you go start killing Christians. You're serious about what you believe. And friend, I want to tell you, you and I ought to be serious about what we believe. We're not out to kill people. We're out to give life. We're we're not out to hurt people. We're out to help people. We're not out to try to bring people down. We're out to try to lift people up and show them the good news of the gospel. But actions are so important. Did you know that actions speak louder than words? And we all know people that like to talk the talk, don't we? But your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk always talks louder than your talk talks. 
And may God help us in our actions. May God help us to be faithful. May God help us to be committed. We see number three, the actions. Number four, I want you to notice the abominations of this harlot, uh, this religious system during the tribulation period. I see the abominations, number four. It says in verse number four, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand. You ever, you ever been listening to a story and you kind of get ahead and you think you know where the story's going and then it takes a turn? Well, that's exactly what happens in verse four. Everything is so beautiful. Everything is so ornate. Everything is so exquisite. Everything is just so, wow. You can almost picture it. And then it says in verse 4, and that cup, that golden cup, that beautiful cup, it was full of what? Abominations. And the filthiness of her fornication. We see here that although this church during the tribulation period, this religious system, although they work really hard to make everything good, look good on the outside, on the inside, it is abomination. That's what Jesus said when he came. He saw the Pharisees and he saw the scribes and he said on the outside, boy, you look so good. You're, you're like whited sepulchers, but on the inside, you are full of dead men's bones. You say, well, I can't believe these people would be so terrible. Well, I can't either, except that could happen to us. Did you know one of the dangers of, of, of being saved for a long time is sometimes you learn how to play the part. Sometimes you learn what to say. Sometimes you come into a church and you know all the right lingo. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll joke around sometimes with some of my friends, you know, and uh, all that. But it's, uh, you know, hey, brother, how you doing? So good to see you. Hey, God's good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I'm not against saying those things. But saying those things and not meaning those things or trying to portray one thing when on the inside, that's not the way it is. That's a problem. Because although man looks on the outside, God sees the heart. And I see the abominations. The Bible says that it is filthy, filthiness and abominations. The word abomination is an extreme hatred, a, a, a detesting of something. Second Corinthians 2, the Bible says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. May God help us to be clean. On the radio, I've been talking from Psalm 51 about having a, a clean heart and being cleansed and confessing sin and getting right with God. And friend, I want to tell you, if you don't get your sin dealt with, it doesn't get better. It starts to rot. It starts to stink. It becomes an abomination in the sight of God. Uh, yesterday, uh, it was yesterday or Monday, I forget which day it was, but Lacey was telling me, she was at home, and at home, our kids, they'll have, they've got these little water bottles that they'll use kind of throughout the day, just drink water. And she grabbed the water bottle thinking it was going to be water, and she was thirsty, and she took a drink of it and found out it wasn't water. And she couldn't figure out what in the world it was until she figured out it was a smoothie from the day before that someone had left in a water bottle that she thought was water. Now, can I tell you, if you've never had, my wife makes some really good smoothies and they're healthy and all that. And uh, I'm working at it. I got, I got a long ways to go, but you know, I got to get some good stuff in me. And, uh, but 
But if you've ever, if you, if you know what's in those smoothies, you know, you've got the, the spinach and you got some yogurt in there and you got some strawberries and bananas and you got some um, apple juice and you got, we, we put some vitamin C in there too and all that. There's all kinds of good stuff. It's gray when it's fresh. It is not good the next day when it's been sitting out. And can I tell you, what looked innocent, what looked like something that she thought would be good to take, she took a drink of that, and she said, that is nasty. And I wonder sometimes if, if God looks at us, and he doesn't have to take a drink, he knows what's on the inside. But I wonder sometimes if God takes a look at us and says, boy, they look so good on the outside. But I know what's on the inside. I know what's in the heart. I know what they've been thinking about. I know what they've been watching. I know the, th the conversations they've had. I know what's on their phone. I know what's on their computer. And can I tell you, friend, God sees everything. God knows, and God wants us to be clean, not just on the outside, but on the inside as well. That leads me to number five. I've already addressed it a little bit, but number five we see in this verse, we see the attire, the clothing of this woman. Notice verse four. She was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand. You see, this woman, the religious system during the tribulation period, it'll look good. I think they're going to have some nice buildings. I think they're going to have uh, some nice stuff. I think they're going to have a lot of money. I think they're going to have everything to make the package look great. But the Bible tells us, that although the outside looks good, the inside is nothing but filth and abomination. Can I remind you tonight that God is more interested in your heart than he is the cost of your clothing. God is more interested in your heart than he is the money that you have in your bank account. God is more interested in your heart than he is with how much stuff you have. This woman looked good on the outside, but God's not impressed by what you have. He owns it all. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What God wants is a heart that is right with him. Amen. By the way, if your heart is right, that also is going to affect the outside. If your heart is right, that is going to affect the way that you want to look and the way that you want to present yourself on the outside. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But I see the attire of this woman, the attire of the religious system. And by the way, I, I, I still, and, and you know if you come on Sundays and you see uh, the folks that are in the choir and you see the ushers that are, are serving and Sunday school teachers and all that, and we've got guidelines for those workers. Now, you can come to church and you can enjoy the service and you don't have to be dressed up. And I know Wednesday night's an unusual time. Some people come straight from work and all that. But I still believe that we ought to look good. I think we ought to look our best for the Lord. I think we ought to be a good testimony, but let's not ever worry more about the outside than we do about the inside. Number six, quickly, I see there's an announcement. It's found in verse number five. And upon her forehead, this is the, the, the great whore, the harlot uh, that we see in Revelation 17. Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, this is not, this is not a Bible doctrine. But how many of you have read the Bible and how many of you know that not every sentence and every word in the Bible has to be all caps, right? And that goes for your text messages too. That goes for your emails too. Not everything has to be all caps. 
But this is all caps. You say, how come? Because this is an important announcement. Because this woman who is trying to fool everybody, this religious system that is trying to, to, to pull the wool over the eyes, this woman has a name written on her forehead. I heard one preacher say this, and I don't know for a fact this is true, and I don't think he knew either, but it was uh, something that, that he had read. But I heard one preacher say that in Bible days, in the, the Roman Empire, that the prostitutes that would run, run, roam the streets, those prostitutes w- would wear a headband. And on that headband would have the name of that prostitute so they could be identified. And maybe that's why God uses this picture here to say that the the harlot, the great whore, the the religious system of the world has tried to deceive everybody, but God says, it's written on your forehead. I know who you are. I see who you are. You are not fooling me. Now, I'm thankful we don't have to write our names on our foreheads, right? And at work, usually you have a name tag, you know, you put on, on on your shirt or whatever. But I wonder if, if we did have names on our foreheads. And I don't mean like, you know, Jeremy and Curry and Tracy and Cindy and Mike. But I wonder if, if we had a name on our forehead that said who we really are. I wonder if it was a description. I wonder if God put something on our forehead and said, this is really who this person is and this is what this person is all about. I wonder what that message would be. Can I tell you, you and I, we can fool each other. You can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time and you can't fool God any of the time because he sees and he knows. There's an announcement. This was written on her forehead to make it very clear who this woman was. She was the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Friend, keep in mind, This is not, in Revelation 17, this is not an actual prostitute. This is the religions of the world who have prostituted the truth of the gospel. These are the religions of the world that have taken God and changed the God of the Bible to have a God that they want, a God that fits what they decide and makes them feel good about their religion. And God says it is an abomination to him. Number seven, quickly, I see in this passage, I see the admiration. We read it in verse number six where John said, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. How is this possible that that here this religious system has has killed and slaughtered Christians who, who know Jesus? John says, when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. That word admiration there is surprise, marvel. Literally, John was shocked. I wonder if people ever look at our lives. I wonder if people are ever shocked when they see us. Now, I hope it's a good shock. I hope it's like, wow, I can't believe the change that God's done in that person. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe some people, I love it when Bruce Fry comes. I love when he tells his testimony. And he says people will see him and say, you can't be Bruce Fry. There's no way because of the change God made in his life. I hope if people are ever shocked, I hope they're shocked in a good way. But I hope they're never shocked in a bad way. 
I hope they never come and they, they, they see our lives. Maybe it's somebody at work or maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member and they say, I'm shocked because there's somebody who claims to be a Christian, but I hear how they talk. There's somebody that claims to be a Christian, but I see the places they go. There's a person that claims to be a Christian, but I see the way they treat people. And I understand there ain't nobody perfect. I understand we're all a bunch of sinners. But when we do sin, there ought to be a desire to get it right. And there ought to be a desire to confess it and forsake that sin. And you say, well, I've just got this sin that I just can't get let go of. Well, maybe you need to let God take control. Maybe you need to ask God to give you the victory because that sin is stronger than you, but it's not stronger than God. But I wonder if people would be shocked. I wonder if people would be shocked if they knew that we were a Christian, but they saw how little we read the word of God. Now, let's be honest. We believe this is the Bible. We believe this is the word of God. We believe it's true. We believe it's inspired. We believe that it is inerrant and infallible. But if we believe that, certainly we would read it. How about prayer? I wonder if people would be shocked if they knew that we were a Christian and we, we claimed to know Christ and, and we believe that God created the universe and we believe that God sent his son to die on a cross and Jesus rose from the grave and, and he gave us eternal life and then we never talked to him. That would have to be puzzling. That would have to be shocking to think, wait a minute. There's somebody that claims to be a Christian. They go to church. They hear a preacher get up and, and, and spit and holler and do all kinds of crazy stuff and tell them what the Bible says and it doesn't even faze them. It doesn't change the way they live. By the way, a preacher's not going to change you, but the Holy Spirit of God sure can. And when any man gets in Christ and Christ gets in him, he's a new creature and old things are passed away and all things are become new. I wonder if people would be shocked if they found out that we claim to be Christ, but... We didn't care much about going to church. I wonder if people would be shocked if they knew that we were, we, we claimed to be saved, but we never told anybody about Jesus. We, we never had a desire to serve God. We never had a desire to witness. I understand sometimes we get shy. Sometimes we get timid. Maybe sometimes we get embarrassed. But I tell you, it ought to bother us to think that there are people that don't know Christ and that we have the good news and we got to share it. We got to tell them. There was a, a shock, an admiration. John said, I wondered with great admiration. We say one thing, but sometimes we do another. We say we belong to God, but then sometimes we live like the world. We talk about faith when things are good, but then sometimes when things go bad, we throw faith out the window. May God help us to be consistent. May God help us to be who we say we are. This woman... This harlot claimed to be one thing and looked like on, on the outside she was one thing when in reality she was quite the opposite. I see quickly number eight and I'll be done. I see the adversary. The adversary of this woman, the enemy of this woman was actually the true Christians, the, the, the martyrs of Jesus Christ, the saints of God. Keep in mind this woman claims to be religious but in reality she hates Christians. She hates Christ. I want to remind you this evening that our adversary, our enemy, is not our fellow Christian. Our enemy is not our co-worker. Our enemy is not a family member. Our enemy is not a neighbor. Our enemy is the devil. Satan is the adversary. He is the one that's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Keep your focus on the real enemy. 
Quit beating up your, 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 your partner. Quit beating up your fellow soldier. Quit focusing on what uh, somebody else is doing when in reality we're in a battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's our adversary. 1 John 3, 13, the Bible says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. I don't believe that as Christians, I don't believe we ought to go out and try to stir things up. I don't think we ought to go trying to stir up a fight. I don't think we ought to go out and say, I wonder how obnoxious I can be in my neighborhood. I wonder how obnoxious and weird I can be at work. So people, you know, people hate my guts. That ought not be our attitude. However, I'll say this. If you stand for God and you stand for the truth, not everybody's going to like you. And not everybody's going to be your best friend. And you're going to have to decide who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please the Lord? Or are you trying to please the crowd? As for me and my house, I want to please the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. And as for this church, it would be my prayer that this church would not become like the harlot of Revelation 17. Uh, the, the church that is uh, more interested in the things of the world and more interested in financial gain and more interested in, 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 in having a lot of associations and a lot, of, a lot of connections and a lot of people. But my desire that this church would be a church that would be a pure and spotless, chaste bride of Christ that brings honor and glory to Him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.